So Pastor Jim's been in First Peter, and we're doing the series Standing Strong. So tonight I'm going to be talking on First Peter thir- chapter 1, 13 through 18. He's taking it in sections and carving it up and giving some great expository teaching. But before we go to that, I think we need to go back and let's look at verse 12 real quick. So I'm going to put there verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, talking about the prophets, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So 1 Peter, that, that verse, chapter 12, explains the Spirit of God mysteriously revealed to the Old Testament prophets about the Messiah and His coming. He didn't say when or who it would be or anything, but he, the Holy Spirit revealed that information to them so that they could bring it to the New Testament times and actually technically bringing it to us too. They were aware of what the full meaning was. They just didn't know when it was going to happen. But we do. So now we're going to start in verse 13. It says this. Therefore, which means, therefore, which means as a result of an effect or an outcome because of this, because of what they just told us over in verse 12, now we're getting ready for 13. And getting ready, that was the basis for it. So it says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're being told the call to kingdom dominion, if you will, is a call to learn a life of submission to God's word, God's order, God's ways, and to, quote, grow away from the ways of the world. Do you understand when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, if you've given your heart to Jesus and he is your savior, you really need to make him Lord. There's a difference, okay? Lord, and we'll say Lord and Savior. If you've made him your Lord and Savior, do you understand you don't belong to you anymore? You don't. He paid the price for you. And I won't get into it, but I had to learn that lesson laying in a hospital bed for 60 days. And I got it and said, okay, I understand. If my life has to be spent to get whoever into heaven, so be it. Because that's where I'm going when I leave here. So we need to understand when we submit our lives to the Lord, we really need to submit it all the way. It needs to be a total buy-in and say, I am yours to spend as you wish because you paid the price that I couldn't pay. You paid the debt that I couldn't pay. You did things for me that I couldn't do. You changed the heart. And made me different. It's this. It's, I had somebody ask me, what, what got into you? I said, it's not what got into me. It's what God took out of me that makes the difference. That is the thing. Hmm. I should have put that in my notes. We can move on to verse 14. It says, as obedient children, listen, do not be conformed to the former lusts, 
which were yours in your ignorance. In other words, at one point in time, you didn't know any better. Nobody's born knowing everything. There's a difference in ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance is not knowing. Stupidity is knowing and going ahead with it anyway. Stupidity could be some of those, hey, y'all, watch this moment. Glad I never had any of those. But at any rate, he says, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Once you learn, get away. It, it says basically what he's saying, once your life has changed, don't go back to what you were. 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22 says this, for it... For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in other words, they've submitted, right? If after that, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. It says, don't go back to where you were at. But if, if this happens, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Why? Because in the first state, they were ignorant. They didn't know any better. Somebody presented the gospel. Somebody presented the truth to them. Somebody said, there is a way for you to escape eternal torment. There is a book that you can have your name written in blood that nobody can erase. There is a Savior that loves you so much that it does not matter what anyone else says. This is important. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, if you're already a Christian, you're not standing there for judgment as to where am I going to torment or not. You've already taken care of that. It's more of a reward ceremony and answering for what you've done. But Jesus is not going to look over at Shane and say, Shane, think you ought to let Bill in there? just between me and him. Me and him. And if he did say something, he'd say, listen, we'll get to you in a little bit. I'm talking to him right now. So don't think when people tell you, tell you, smile at them, make them think you're dumb, turn around and walk away from them. They have no judgment, no power. I'm amazed when people say, I hope you go to hell. Well, you can hope all you want, but you don't have that power and you don't have that authority. There's only one that can send me there. And he said, I ain't going there because I accepted his son as my Lord and Savior. Right? So it says this, the last states become worse for them than the first. It would have been better. Listen, he's not just warning him. He's saying, here's how it would be. He's saying, if you go back to what you were, this is it. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness to begin with than to have known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Yeah. Saying, listen, you escaped this once. You come out with a clean slate, God's forgotten all about it. Remember the God we serve? 
your transgressions. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. His mercies are new every morning. He says, I'm wiping the slate clean. I don't hold anything you've done against you. I've forgiven you because I see you through the blood of my son, but yet you're going to be dumb and go back and do what you did. Mm -mm. You don't do that. He says this in verse 15. First Peter 1, 15. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all, how much? Can't hear you in the back. All behavior. All of your behavior. Be holy yourselves also in all behavior. Trust me, that's not an easy one. I told somebody yesterday, I need to have, I've got calluses on my tongue where I have to bite it because the me in me wants to say some snide remark or something. And I don't need to be doing that. And my wife reminded me today, once again, what a horrible counselor I would be. <laughs> I admit it. Listen, instead of imitating the ungodly world with its fads and fashions, our lives should reproduce the holy character of the one who called us. That's where the rubber meets the road. Because you're a Christian, you proclaim to be a Christian, which means I am Christ-like. I've accepted this one that hung on a cross as my Lord and Savior. Now I'm going to go out here and act like the village idiot. Do something dumb. Maintain your control. We've got, but here's the one thing we, we need to understand. In this life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you for a shot. In this life, we will never be as holy as he is. Don't understand that. We can try all we want. We will never be as holy as he is. He says, that's okay. Because I got something that will cover that. It's called grace. If you just keep giving it your best effort, I'll take care of the rest. I need you to do your best effort because there are people that need to hear you. Because I want them in my kingdom. I want them in heaven. Now, we've got to be careful in that, trying to live that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Not to have a more pious or holier-than-thou attitude. You walk around, if it rains, you're going to drown because it's going in your nose. You're looking down on somebody. You've got to watch it. Why? Because what happens when you get into that mode? There's a sin that creeps in, and one of Satan's favorite sins, and it's actually the root if you go break them all down, and that's pride. You get pride, you're in trouble. We're sitting here in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Remember, listen, it was an attitude of pride that caused the fall of Satan to begin with. Go like this. You're right. So we got to be careful about having an attitude of pride. 
Romans 12, uh, 3 says, for through, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Oh, watch this. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. When someone tells you, I just don't have, I just don't have faith. Really? Are you a Christian? Well, yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You've got faith. Whether you use it or not, it's up to you. Whether you grow it or not, it's up to you. But you got it. Why? Because his word says God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you need to get that straightened out too. Paul's telling us there is nothing in the gospel that would encourage anyone to have a superiority complex. Jesus washed dirty feet. He went and, did, do you understand, when, they, when he had the foot washing of the disciples, it wasn't just foot washing. Those guys walked through the streets in sandals. And there was camel dung, and there was all kinds of livestock stuff. There was probably sewage everywhere, and they come in, and they didn't just have dirty, stinky athletes' feet. They had dirty feet. And Jesus, the Son of God, got down and washed their feet. He didn't have a superiority complex. He was probably the most humble human being, part God, part human, to walk the face of the earth. He set the example, we're to be humble, not have a holier than thou. If you see somebody and you know they don't know Jesus, and you know they're on a path to destruction, don't feel good about yourself. Have mercy on them. Pray for them. Lord, help me reach them. And if it's not me, put someone in their life who can. Spoiler alert. If it's somebody in your family, there's a good chance you're not going to reach them. You're not. Don't believe that. Jesus' own family thought he was a nut. Tells us in the word, let us have, let's take him with him, with us. He's lost his mind. You may not be able to reach him, but you pray and ask God to put the person in your life that can. And a lot of times what we wind up doing, well, I want to be the one to reach him. Really? Seems like that pride's trying to sneak back in again. Y'all got to watch that pride, man. He says this, okay? We, 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 we've got to watch what we do because all of us have different callings. We've got to be cognizant of the fact that the very gifts and the calling that God has placed on our life did not come from us. It wasn't our decision to pick and choose, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that. He says, I have a purpose for you, Caleb. I want you to be a, a praise and worship leader. I'm going to give you the gifts that you need to make it happen. Okay. He said, but God, I don't want to do that. We don't live, when you live in a kingdom, you don't live in a democracy. He doesn't ask you, what do you think about that? He doesn't say, oh, do you want to do this, Caleb? 
He says, I want you to do this. Now, you have to decide whether you're going to follow that calling or not. But don't be envious. Don't be jealous of someone else's calling because there's one for you too. Everybody, everybody in the kingdom of God has got a calling on their life. Yours is, might be different than mine. But that doesn't make it any less important. Pastor Jim is called to shepherd a flock. There is a responsibility on him and Pastor Rick that we don't have. But we're not called to do that. But we are all called, and I tell our Bible study group this all the time, we are all called to share the gospel. When Jesus said over in Mark, he said, go out into the world and preach the gospel, he didn't say, I want A.W. to go do that, and the other four, y'all go do something else. Actually, it was three at that time. He told them all. He's telling us, go tell somebody the good news, what's been done for you. Now, he's given each one of us a measure of faith. It's our responsibility to grow that measure of faith. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I wear our Bible study group out with that verse in John 10, 10 all the time. They're probably looking going, all right, he's going to come with it somewhere tonight. We're going to hear John 10, 10, or we're going to hear Romans 10, 17. By the way, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you may have life, you may have it more abundantly. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Amplified says it like this. I love this. So faith comes by hearing what is told. And what is heard comes by the preaching or the message that comes from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. You can't. Pastor Rick brought it up. Boy, he hit me hard Sunday when he used the analogy of having a gym membership. I don't have a gym membership, but I knew what he was saying because I was sitting there going, okay, I've got a total gym at home. It doesn't do anything but just sit there. I've got this, I've got that. People go, you know what? I got <coughs> I've got a collection. I've got I got every popular translation of the Bible that's out there right now. I got your new King James, I got the King James, I got your new American Standard, I got your new international version, your NIV, I got your NLT, I've got them all. I'll tell you what, ain't nobody gonna get them either. I got them just perfectly lined up on my shelf. Where they'll just sit there and be ready. How often do you get them out? Uh, I don't know. If you're not using God's word, faith comes by hearing and hearing with the word of God. Pick it up and read it every day, folks. You need to. Once you get in the habit of doing that, your day's not complete till you have done that. Now watch this. We're going to talk a little bit about faith in action. Daniel chapter 3, I love this, verses 14 through 16. Nebuchadnezzar is going to talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in sympathy, sympathy, symphony, rather, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I've made, good. I'm giving you another shot, guys. There was a reason he wanted to give him another shot. Not tonight, but you can go read it and you'll find out. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, I love this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to even answer you in this matter. We don't even need to answer you in this matter. But here's what we are going to tell you, it goes on. If that's the case, our God whom we serve, our God, is able <coughs> excuse me, to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace or he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Either way. Now watch. Watch this. Notice they told the king God would deliver them from his hand. They said God was able to deliver them from the furnace, but either way, whether by death in the furnace or by divine and supernatural act of God, God will, quote, deliver us from your hand. It doesn't matter to us. We're not bowing to you. We're not going to worship some stupid image you've made. We serve God. We serve the God who freed our people from bondage in Egypt. We serve the God who caused the plagues on Egypt and who led us out of the wilderness. That's the God we serve. And whether we burn up in the furnace or whether he delivers us, we will be delivered from your hand. Nebuchadnezzar, you do not have a choice in this. You don't have a choice in this. Give it your best shot. Now, that, that's amazing. Jesus said this. Now, that, that was a, an example of faith, and we know how it wound up. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20 through 21, he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, what? Will be impossible to you. Then he says, but this kind of faith does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And I shared some of this with our Bible study group last night. It's, it's getting down to a matter of Jesus is saying, how bad do you want? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Prayer and fasting, that's, that's what it's going to take to get that kind of faith. How bad do you want? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to make that sacrifice of your time and your life to make that happen? 
Watch. God is the answer to your problems. But, and we talked about this last night, until you bring it to God, God is not in it. Right? Until you bring it to him, he's not in it. Uh, and, and, and again, if, if I ask you, will you pray for me? My answer is, I will pray with you. Why, do I, why should I pray for you? You have that power to pray. Yeah, but you know what? It seems like, you know, I'm going to get Brother Leonard to play, pray for me because when he prays, I know God hears him. And I don't know that he hears me. Hmm. If you've got that kind of thought process, you need to be in the Word and find out. Yes, he does hear you just as much as he hears Brother Leonard. Go develop that faith. It's like, I, and I'm not going to get into it, but I will say this. I don't like when I see on Facebook I have a silent or an unspoken prayer request. Come on. What, did you lose your dog? You want a free pizza sent to your house? Uh, do you want a brand new car? What do you want? Unless you tell me what you want me to pray for, I don't know. Well, I'd rather not say, then you'd rather not get an answer. Somebody. Yeah. But watch. I, I was, and, and this is amazing, because if you will allow God to speak to you, he will. I was on Hartman Drive over here the other day, driving down the road in my truck to Coop DeBille, and just praying about our lesson last night and all that. And this just come into my heart as I was praying. And I said, Lord, I don't want the strength to climb the mountain. I don't want the endurance to go around the mountain. I don't want the power to go through the mountain. I want the faith to command the mountain to be moved. That's what I want. Because you said I could do it in your word. If I had the faith of, of the size of a mustard seed, have you ever seen a mustard seed? It looks about the size of a tick. <laughs> Not a good analogy, but that's how it looks, all right? About that size. Yes, size of a mustard seed. And, you know, the Bible is full of examples of how we can grow our faith and demonstrate our faith. And we need to realize if you go over to Hebrews chapter 11 and you go through and it says by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, that is mentioned 19 times in that chapter. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, they did it. And they didn't get their reward like we do. We know when we leave here, we're going to be in the presence of God. They served without knowing when the Messiah was going to come. And when they left the world, they didn't get to go to heaven. They went to paradise. We get to go to heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How much clearer can that be? 
Jesus said in John 14, 3, where he said, if I go, I will come again to receive you, that where I am you may be also. How much clearer can that be? People all the time, what do you think happens when we die? I can tell you. This here owner's manual tells you all about what's going to happen. All you got to do is go grab it and read it. Now, here we go. Let's go on to verse 16. We'll be wrapping this up. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Peter reaches back into the Old Testament on this for proof that God expects his people to be like himself. In Leviticus 11.44, the Lord said, For I am the Lord your God. How much clearer does he need to be on that? This is who I am. Ego I me. I am, I am, I am. That's my name and it'll always be my name. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore... Remember, therefore, says, because of. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. We are empowered to live holy lives by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Understand this. The Old Testament saints did not have the Holy Spirit living in them. When it come time for Elijah to outrun the chariot, or do all the things he did. We talked about that last night. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus said, I'm getting ready to leave out of here. As I always say, he's going to pull a Hank Snow and go moving on. He said, I'm going to send a helper for you. And he's going to be with you and in you. When you receive the Holy Spirit, You've got something that they did not have in the Old Testament, but yet they managed to do the best they could to live the holy lives. And that's what we got to do. Now, we're more privileged. We're also more responsible. They did not have the complete, completed canon, the complete word at that time either. I believe God's going to say, what is your problem, Bill? You have got the completed word of God. You've got it on your phone. You've got it on your tablet. You've got it on your computer. You've got physical copies of it. In other words, he's going to boil it down to three words. You have, four words, no excuse. Some of those back then, they, had, they didn't get the opportunity to hear the word. They only heard what was told to them because having a copy of the word was not common back then. They read what the scribes and the Pharisees told them. And they changed it around to suit them. So how was it you was ever going to know exactly what you were going to get? But here's something else. I want to wrap it up with this. Monday morning, I believe it was. Or maybe it was yesterday, I don't know. I woke up at 423. Happens all the time. 
system, for whatever reason, God likes 4 o'clock for me in the morning to go, hey, wake up. And I noticed my phone was blinking. And I got a buddy out in Texas, good friend of mine. Never met him, but we're good friends. He said, I've got to go for a routine doctor appointment today. Will you say a prayer for me? I said, yeah, I will. And I thought, well, I'm going to go back to sleep, but just in case I oversleep and don't get up at my normal 4.45 time. Right. That's, no. Just in case I oversleep, I'm going to go ahead and pray for him now. And so I had prayer for him laying there. And then I get excited. Then it's like, i got to go back to sleep. Really? I need to go up and write this down because God laid this on my heart and I went, wow. Fortunately, I remembered it in the morning, but here it is. We pray because we believe you hear us. Because we believe you hear us, you answer our prayers. And because you answer our prayers, we believe. Do you see the circle? No matter where you go in the circle, the next step, we believe. Do you understand? All we need now or ever will need is found in Jesus Christ. 